from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos postgame reaction podcast brought to you by Something in the Water Brewing as the Toronto Argonauts take down the Calgary Stampeders finally at BMO Field 39-31. JB, before we get into this recap, and it was a wild game, I just want to talk about something in the water brewing, our title sponsor. It was so awesome that so many of you were able to get down to something in the water before the game today. It's the perfect spot before going to a game at BMO Field or after attending a practice at Lamport Stadium. It's right there in Liberty Village. I love that so many listeners send us photos of, it's usually of their beer. Most guys drinking Longboat because it is the beer made for fans of the Double Blue. But yeah, huge crowd down there before the game today, which is fantastic to see. Thank you so much for supporting our sponsors. And it's a, it's a great initiative to support sponsors of things that you love. You love the Argos, you love the CFL, you support the the products that or the companies that that sponsor those very things. And you guys have been terrific with your support of Something in the Water Brewing, our title sponsor. JB, where do we begin with this one? This first quarter <laughs> kind of stands out as different from what happened over the next two quarters. This game was this game was weird. Uh, it did. It felt very much like a American college football game. Uh, very wide open. You know, last team with the ball wins. Um, you know, Toronto jumped off to a great start. And to be honest, I felt up 14 nothing. We had Calgary where, right where we wanted them. It you did know, be feel able like to that. Except get after them with the pass rush. And, you know, Calgary is not an explosive team. Usually. Uh, but then suddenly, um, their quarterback turned into John Elway. Jake Mayer hasn't thrown a touchdown pass uh, like in eons. Came in and threw four touchdowns on 387 yards passing. That's bananas numbers. Like Chad Kelly had a good game passing and it was nowhere close to that. No, I mean, ridiculous. I mean, if if, if he played like that every week, you know, they would be, uh, you know, they would be... The, they would be leading the West. He'd be the best quarterback in the league. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. No. So we'll go over some of that and like why some of that happened. But this was huge for Toronto for a few reasons. One, Toronto has just not been able to beat the Stampeders. They, the Stampeders are, I think, 15-1 and one against Toronto in the last 16 games, yeah. which is bonkers. And I learned from the, from the Calgary Stampeders play-by-play team before the game, they let me know that those, those wins include... Uh, eight straight in Toronto, but those eight straight wins in Toronto actually cover three different stadiums. Calgary has beaten Toronto in the Dome in that streak, at BMO Field in that streak, and also a home game Toronto had to play at Tim Hortons Field in 2015, which is just one of those weird ones. Uh, But this is the first time they've ever beaten the Stampeders at BMO Field. For whatever reason, Calgary has had Toronto's number going back for almost a, a decade now. So that was a huge monkey to get off their back. Yeah, and there's a big crowd tonight. And so it's it's great to see the team, um, you know, put up an exciting win in front of a huge crowd. Hopefully that gets some more returners um, to watch future games. And you really do want to win your last game off a of bye because the you know the road gets steep from here out, so every every single win that can be banked is crucial. 
Yeah, this is a long stretch. And we're going to get into some of the injuries in a little bit too. But that's the thing, like to be able to withstand 10 straight weeks of football games is something. And that's what they've got coming up. But every win that happens now in the late summer, early fall means maybe you'll have opportunities to rest guys in those last few weeks of the season. So that's what these wins are for right now. Like you don't need to win necessarily when you're leading the division. You've only lost one game all season, but you need to rest. And a win today maybe means they can rest guys the last two weeks of the regular season. We'll see a lot of football to be played still. So let's go through uh, a little bit of, you know, something of a recap anyway. That first quarter, you know why I was nervous in that first quarter is because Toronto had put up really good numbers. Chad Kelly had over 100 yards passing. They were running the ball well, and they hadn't scored a touchdown. They were out of their first couple of drives. Chad had an interception. They uh, just seemed to, uh, I think Curly Gins Jr. dropped a pretty tough pass to hang on to over the middle. And that ended two different drives that really could have resulted in points. But uh, it's dangerous when you have, when you're putting up great yardage numbers, but it's not reflecting on the scoreboard, it kind of starts putting you in panic mode on the sideline. You're looking at the scoreboard, you're like, how are we not, how do we not have a point yet? And so, like you said, when they finally were able to get on the board and actually score some points, get up 14 nothing, there was a bit of a sigh of relief. But then, then just, you know, it, it, it kind of went weird. 38 points in the second quarter were scored. 38 total points in one quarter. That's a, that's a football game that happened in one quarter in terms of scoring. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about some of uh, the things that went wrong early on. Uh, Chad Kelly played well uh, for any other quarterback in the league. I think you would look at it and say, well, yeah, it was a great game. For Chad Kelly... He just hasn't thrown interceptions. And for him to have two in one game just stands out as, as odd. And yet he finishes the game 20 of 31, 361 yards, three touchdowns. That's a great game. But those two picks are weird. What did you see on the first one? It was in the end zone. looked like he was throwing to a hook. From my vantage point, I thought it must have been tipped, but I didn't see it get tipped. How did it look for you? Uh, I don't think so. I think it was just um, wasn't on target. Uh, it was... Uh, it, was, it wasn't on target, also high, also too hot. And it just blew through uh, getting hands. It just, there was no, there wasn't, you know, it was just maybe if it's on target and it's coming in hot, he can grab it. But it just kind of, he, he just wasn't in a position to to reach up and grab a ball that was coming that hot. And uh, yeah, that, that, was, that wasn't a great one. It felt rushed a little bit. I don't know why they were rushing. It felt a little rushed to try and, score that touchdown that was yeah you know those the two picks were not were not good picks i think you know he'd like i'm sure he would like to have both back um sometimes a pick is just bad luck but those were those were both quarterback error picks i actually think the second one i put on dejon allen if i'm or sorry on on cage as a cage if i'm putting it on anybody so what i saw on the second pick was uh, Julian Hauser, the the end for Calgary, came around Cage, and as he went by Kelly, he actually grabbed Jersey, and so when Kelly was in his throwing motion, Hauser grabbed his Jersey and it rotated him, and so it changed the angle of his pass, changed the trajectory and, and location of his pass, and so that's why it seemed to go to nobody in particular. So yeah, actually, don't I, fault Kelly with that one. I wouldn't go so far as to say, I don't know. I mean, I looked, it didn't look like there was anybody. There were a lot of Calgary Stampeders in that area. I know Chad's got a great arm, but 
I'm not I'm not so sure about the targeting on that. But yeah, for sure, you can you can factor that in. And I and it's a point that you brought up the targeting. I'm not sure. Like Chad gives guys chances. There weren't a lot of receivers open tonight. That's what makes no. the, like 361 is a huge yardage number. Guys were well covered. And that's been a theme against Calgary the last couple of years. Guys have been well covered. They were all over Argos receivers. Chad made great throws. Guys made great catches. But aside from busts, there weren't a lot of guys like running open downfield. No, I mean, uh, you know, a couple of times Curly Gittins almost made really nice plays. There was that one uh, seam play that, again, was a little high and, you know, kind of <laughs> right into safety traffic. Um, you know, that was a tough play. And then there was another kind of short one where he was trying to fire it in. And he, he certainly seemed a little frustrated by how covered people were. And, you know, there were a few rocket balls to guys that were, were pretty covered. Um, you know, there were definitely a couple of times where there were almost picks. So uh, it, it definitely seemed like Kelly was was frustrated at um, how covered people were. But, you know, to his credit and why he is the best quarterback in the league, uh, you know, it was just turned into a we thought it was going to be a rock fight. And it turned into, uh, you know, this scoring festival. And he put up the points they needed. You know, he hit those. He hit that one pass, you know, while being hit, which was amazing. You know, the then they did the little flea flicker pass back to him, and he he you know he dropped that uh, deep ball right into the bucket. He he definitely had he definitely shone when he needed to, and he didn't let his frustration stop him from from winning the game, which you know is is really impressive. I didn't get to hear his his interview at halftime that TSN ran, but. I saw it. Uh, I saw it happening. He looked. He looked angry. And this was a guy that had been playing pretty well yardage wise. Had thrown a couple touchdowns. Was just coming off a really good quarter, and yet just looked like zoned in and and mad at the world. I love that from Chad Kelly. I, not celebrating. Not you know at, at halftime. He was in a game. You know he was in a tight ball game at halftime and. You know, barely had the lead. I think it was 24-21 at halftime. That sounds right. I think that was the score at halftime. Yeah. And yeah, and he he looked like he was, he had the body language of a guy losing by 20. And I love that about him. He's he's here. He's not here to just win. He's here to dominate every game. And when he's not, he's pretty upset about it. Uh, let's talk about some of the defensive issues that the Argos had because the Stampeders should not put up 31 points against this Argos defense. Jake Mayer should not throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns against this Argos no. defense. So a few things went wrong. There were injuries, but before the injuries even happened, in the in the second quarter, when the scoring began, um, it just it looked like the secondary wasn't quite on the same page today. Did, did you see anything different they were doing, or Calgary uh. just schemed this up well? I, I mean, I don't think they expected Meyer to turn into um, John Elway. I know, but I don't think, I, but I don't think you know. he did. Like, I, I don't feel like, like but I know he his was numbers. not a deep ball threat. I mean, so like it was, he just wasn't. He just wasn't very good at throwing deep balls. I just think they were, they were surprised by how much he threw the ball deep. Um, you know, I, I think Calgary. You know, they know the offense 
they knew where some of the cracks were. So there were a couple of seam plays, you know, there was almost a seam touchdown, you know, the seam, you, you know, even sometimes at practice, you see the seam seems to be an issue um, sometimes. And, you know, when Toronto plays a fairly complicated secondary defense and, um, you know, that can work really well, but it's not always going to work perfectly, especially with injuries. And once you get new guys in there, I think it was really hard for them to to gear down into a, a more basic defense. It certainly felt like there were a lot of busts. Like for me, I don't feel like a lot of Mayor's yards are real. And that's not really fair to him, but I, I feel no, like... No, he was not picking them apart. No, like a no. lot of the deep balls you're talking about, like he had a 47-yarder to Bagleton. He had another long pass to Bagleton. Uh, Mark and Michelle had a 65-yard... A reception but I felt like those were mostly busts like guys were running yeah. free and no one was near them so it's not like yeah he's not a great you know deep ball quarterback I'm not sure that's what he was today I think he just found he was really good at finding guys that were open on busts and that's not you know that that's not always easy to do often guys miss that he actually missed one early in the game I don't know what happened for Toronto this was this would have been in the first quarter and uh, Mechie was back playing deep center field Bagleton was running a seam and uh, someone else, I don't know which other receiver it was, ran sort of underneath Mechie's face and Mechie stayed with him. Nobody went with Bagleton. He was wide open. And had Mayer seen that, that was an easy like 80 yard touchdown, but he ended up throwing the ball incomplete. So there were, there were, there were issues in the secondary today. And I don't know if it comes from like they were playing, you notice they were playing a lot closer to the line of scrimmage. Like even when they were in cover three and cover four, yeah. uh, well, I, everyone I, was tight. And, and they played, I mean, they played the screen game incredibly well. Yes. I, I think that that looked like it was probably a focus. I thought that they played the underneath pass and um, the short pass. You know, they rallied to the ball. All of that underneath stuff, there was a guy just hammering guys immediately. Um, the screen game was really non-existent. So I think that was clearly a focus of the secondary because it was great. They, I thought they played that incredibly well. And I think they, they just got by, they got surprised by um, a couple of busts and, uh, you know, just were not expecting the quarterback to test them deep. And they were sort of cheating a little bit and, uh, and they got caught. Let's let's talk a little bit about the the injuries and how that changed the game for the Argos. First of all, uh, I I hope Deshaun Amos is is all right. It, it looked like a terrible injury when we saw it happen. We we don't know the full extent of things. Um, he was at, at the end of the game. You know, once everything finished, he came out on a scooter. He had a soft cast on. It looked like on his ankle. What did you see on that play? Uh, well, I, I just, he just got rolled up on, I mean, it was just bad luck. It was an underneath play and you had linebackers closing in on it and he was closing in from the secondary and, you know, just bad luck. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it certainly looked season ending. It looked terrible. And, you know, hopefully it's not, you know, it, we've had, we've seen injuries in the past that, that look way worse than they end up being. Um, like Trevor Harris comes to mind, for example, but this one just, uh, I don't know. It didn't look good, and I'm really hoping that... True. I can't believe Trevor Harris has, you know, like, that looked career-ending. Yeah, and, but, you know, there's still, I guess, a thin uh, chance of him being able to come back this year. So, you know, it does happen, but 
Yeah, it looked bad. And the way that everyone responded to like he's played for both teams, right? So you had Calgary guys coming out. It was, I said to, to Mike Hogan on the broadcast, if you couldn't see the jersey of the player who was down, you wouldn't know which team the injured player was from because you had Calgary coaches and training staff. You had Argos coaches and training staff. You had Calgary players on a knee with their helmets off surrounding him. Argos players on a knee surrounding him with their helmets off. It was... Guys were, you know, devastated for him because they seemed to sense the severity of this injury and they brought the card out and, and, you know, everything about that was, was horrendous. And we just, we just hope that, that it's just one of those weird things that somehow isn't as bad as it looked, but yeah, it didn't look good. And then that caused problems. Calgary went to work right after that, picking on the changes that were made. So with Deshaun Amos down, they moved Royce Mechie over to the field halfback position and brought in Josh Hegarty, who had actually been playing quite a lot already. Anytime it was like second and 10, Hegarty was in there in like a 7DB look. Toronto was doing that a lot today. And um, so Hegarty instead now goes and plays center field, and that slides Mechie over to the field half spot. Where this created issues was uh, Qantas Stiggers and Royce Mechie have not worked together side by side like that much. And communication issues, when you're running complex zones like Coach Mace runs, it's it's heavily reliant upon communication being sound. And suddenly you've got Stiggers next to a guy that he's just not as familiar with. They're on the, they're the same field together all the time, but not right next to each other in neighboring zones. And, and then you've got Hegarty at, at safety, uh, and, you know, he just hasn't had a lot of reps at, at safety. He hasn't played a lot back there. And so it's, and you've got communication issues there too between he and Mechie, for example. It felt like after that, almost every Calgary touchdown was on a bust to that side of the field. Didn't it seem like that to you? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the, you know, it, it's very difficult to run a complex defense when you don't have everybody in the position that had, that they've been repping you know, the whole week. So it, I know they didn't want to suddenly switch to, to a much simpler defense too early, but I think that's, that's an, you know, it's hard to, to beat up too much on the bust because it's just, it's just tough to do without lots and lots of reps. And, you know, they had guys in there who, who would not have gotten many reps and not reps with each other. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I I don't kill them too much, but I agree. There clearly were, you know, there clearly were busts. The bus that I saw, I know on on one touchdown, the long touchdown down the sideline to Bagleton, it looked like Quantas Stiggers thought he had help from Mechie over top, but Mechie had gone instead. He'd followed a he'd followed a, a post route, and so I don't know who was to blame on that. But obviously they're on different pages. The shorter touchdown uh, that looked like it was Quantas Stiggers again. He seemed to think they were in in banjo or some sort of switch coverage where he was passing off his receiver who ran a he ran like a, a short in and he seemed to pass it off to Mechie, but Mechie didn't seem to think that was going to be his responsibility. So like Stiggers switched, Mechie didn't, and you ended up with I think it was Bagleton again running free. Bagleton with two hundred and three yards and two touchdowns in this game, a lot on busts, and I think he had a big play on a, a post go 
that seemed to split the safeties. And again, communication issues, they just weren't able to shut that down. And Calgary just kept exploiting that and exploiting that. And then, and then Josh Haggerty gets hurt too. And that was just so, it was crushing for him. He'd, he gave up a touchdown that I, I, you know, it is his fault, but at the same time, I don't really want to blame him too much. It looked like he lost his footing. Uh, He was coming in. Remember, Haggerty, it's not like he doesn't get safety reps. He does. He doesn't get starting safety reps. And him playing on grass from the safety position is very new for him. And so not to make excuses for him because guys coming in, it's the same thing for them too. But it looked like he planted to try and keep up with Bagleton and lost his footing because the grass basically gave out and that allowed Bagleton to run free. And so I think it's just one of those bad luck things more than Haggerty missing his angle. I think he just didn't expect the, the grass to disappear on him like that. So, And then he ended up getting injured in the end zone on, on an incomplete pass to Bagleton. Similar play, uh, splitting the safeties going up the middle. Yeah, I mean, that was, they definitely played with fire a couple of times. That was very close to completed. It was. He had it, and then he, I think he lost it when he hit the ground. But but Haggerty came down really hard on his shoulder. Uh, we don't know the full extent of the injury. It looks like a shoulder injury. He he didn't, um, you know, he wasn't in gear for the rest of the game. He came off, uh, went into the locker room, and I think I think I, I feel like I saw him on the sideline at the end of the game. I'm, I might be imagining that that's possible, but I think I did, but not in gear. And then so Jonathan Edouard, now the third safety, comes in on the field. And they actually move Royce Mechie back to safety and put Edouard at the field halfback spot. And, and he's only on for a few plays before he gets hurt. And so now they're in a real mess because they've run out of defensive backs. They don't have any more defensive backs uh, on their dress roster. And so... Their answer to that was to have linebackers playing DB spots. And so you basically had Jordan Williams playing a defensive back spot where you had Jordan Williams, Jonathan Jones, and Winton McManus all on the field at the same time, which is pretty rare at Toronto running like a true 4-3, which they just don't. And then Pickett uh, backed up and played uh, halfback. He was playing the, the, actually, I think he was playing the, the boundary half spot and everyone else slid over. Um, it was it got really weird to a point where they were basically just running cover three at the end of the game because they couldn't. That's the problem. You've got you got Pickett playing halfback. You've got you know Mechie's in his true spot now, but you, you you've moved everyone all over the place. You've got linebackers playing DB spots. They basically are running the same defense on every play. They were lucky in a way that time was a factor, and Calgary just ran out of seconds. Let's talk about the um, let's talk with some of the, the the fun plays, the good stuff, the Toronto touchdowns. Uh, that flea flicker uh, was dynamite. AJ Olette sold that so well. Chad Kelly with a perfect pass. Tavares has the whole middle of the field open. Uh, it was just the perfect time and place to call a play like that. And we don't see a lot of trick plays from Coach Dinwiddie, so that one was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, it was it was terrific to you know it was absolutely what the crowd wanted and um, you know they were able to keep pace with Calgary because you know they you know the offense picked the defense up uh, that's the sign of a good team you know sometimes sometimes the defense brings it and you don't need as much offense but tonight you know with injuries uh, the defense needed a pickup and uh, and the offense got it done. 
That flea flicker, they ran in practice this week. I believe it's the first time they have brought in that play. Like sometimes at practice, we'll watch, we watch practice plays and sometimes we'll see a play that doesn't actually make its way into a game for weeks, months, sometimes that year. Sometimes you don't see it until the next year um, because it's got to be the right opportunity to use it, especially if it's a trick play. And so for that play to actually be installed this week, which I believe it was, and then have it actually run this week, it kind of tells you that maybe that was something they looked at specifically for Calgary. Maybe they they saw the Calgary safety biting a little bit too heavily on, on run plays, run middle plays, and they thought maybe this is the guy that we can we can get. But it was perfect because the play started with one high safety. And as soon as AJ Olette got the ball, he came flying in. AJ and you know what I love about AJ is that he didn't immediately toss it back. He actually ran into the pile a little bit and then turned around and tossed it back to Kelly, who made the throw. Um, but that was that was just an electric moment in the stadium. It was the the crowd was going wild. Um, you love to see like anytime you get the biggest crowd of the season, you just you you pray that it's not a dog of a game. And this one is going to have people coming back. That flea flicker alone is is reason to come back and watch another game. Um, that the touchdown, the deep touchdown pass to Demonte Coxey. 67 yards. That was a bust. I couldn't quite see who was at fault. It was to Shaq's side. I'm not sure it was Shaq that busted there. I don't know who it was that missed their assignment over top. But how about Chad Kelly buying time? He looked like he could have been tackled in the backfield on that one. He shook a tackle and then threw it what seemed like 500 feet in the air. And at first I thought it was overthrown. And Coxie, you see Coxie looking up into the into the heavens to see where that ball is. And just trying to run under it, knowing there's nobody near him. Uh, but that was that's a play that it was all Chad Kelly. Yes, there was the bust, but Kelly bought the time to allow that bust to materialize. And he still found it and he made that impossible throw like while being hit. So I thought that was a, a huge play for him. Yeah, it, it you know, it was it, they were not able to move the ball uh necessarily most of the night, but Calgary uh, had the same issues Toronto had, which they just could not defend the deep quarter of the field. Yeah, and there's so many areas we haven't even we, like we haven't even talked about the run game. We haven't talked about special teams. We got to talk about special teams. Javon Leak, who was already the Toronto single season record holder for punt return touchdowns with three, scored his fourth tonight. Uh, I didn't realize until today, and it was Mike Hogan who told me, he didn't realize until today that Javon Leak was the single season record holder coming into this game. We didn't, neither of us knew that last week he set the single season record with three punt return touchdowns and he goes out and has a fourth. And I don't, I don't even know if anybody touched him on that return. It was so well blocked. There was just nothing for him to do but sprint up the sideline. That's a huge momentum uh, boost. Toronto leads the league in non-offensive points. And they got another touchdown off of the special teams unit. Leak has turned into one of the most spectacular highlight reel players in the entire CFL. Yeah, and not just the TD, which of course was huge, but all game he gave them incredible, uh, incredible starting field position. And then on that one play where you know he left the ball and luckily was picked up he almost had a touchdown on that play but he got the ball back to midfield um a bunch of times you know he really it really makes such a difference to to have that that sort of start at the 40 start at the 45 you know he was 
he was incredible all game. I mean, he he we always knew he was talented and the just the blocking is giving him the four steps he needs to get the second gear and and then that's it. On the on the one that where he ended up at midfield, he almost had too many blockers. Like I think he he tripped over David Ungerer on that play because there was just he had all these guys in position. There was nowhere left for him to run. But it's a good problem to have. What's hurting League's stats is actually the fact that Calgary took two different fifteen yard no yard penalties kicking to him because they just they didn't want him to have any space. So twice. They took uh, 15 yard penalties just to make sure he couldn't get anywhere, but those aren't those aren't really reflected in his stats. So it ends up looking like his average is lower. He doesn't get the 15 yards that they move upfield. So he ended the day 21.7 yards per punt return, but that's really misleading because that's that's not that's not what happened. He was way better than that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the run game and then we'll get into our players of the game, our plays of the game. So the run game, uh, they didn't run a, a ton. A.J. Olette with 13 carries, Andrew Harris with five. Uh, they have over 100 yards rushing as a team, but the yards per carry is actually pretty good. They were running efficiently. Why don't you think they focused on the run game? It was working fairly well. Why did they go to the air so much? Um, <laughs> well, good question. I mean, one never knows what plays are checked out of and what plays are not. Um, I, I agree. I thought, uh, you know, I thought that, uh, you know, it was it was probably the best uh, that Harris has looked. You know, he looked really spry on that first touchdown, much yeah. to my chagrin. They gave, they gave the ball to him uh, instead of Olette. But uh, it was still nice to see. I thought he looked, he looked like he had a nice step. And Olette uh, had that great spin run. Um, you know, he looks great. And then Olette finished the game. Yeah. You know, he's the hammer in the fourth quarter. I, I just, uh, I think they, they felt like it was going to be a shootout and they wanted to get scores and Chad wanted to get scores and they moved away from the, the ground control run game. But, uh, the running game is still really, really good. You know, a hundred, a hundred yards rushing 50 yards receiving when you combine the two guys, uh, it's going to be really hard to beat a team that can do that and have a quarterback throw for, you know, three bills and, and three touchdowns. Yeah. For like Toronto put up, <laughs> they, they put up what, like 500 yards of, of offense. Yeah. Today. Like the, the offense bailed out the defense. We've seen the, we've seen the defense bail out the offense a couple of times this year where they've really come to play. The offense was maybe a little sluggish to get started. And today it was it was the opposite. The defense had a, a tough day. This was probably the worst game for the defense, I would say, all year. I don't. They've given up like I, they've given up this kind of yardage before, but not in this way. Not with busts. No, like that. yeah. The, well, I mean, it was a tough day for the secondary. I thought the I thought the line played really well. Yeah, that's um, true. You know, they were couple of times they nearly killed him <laughs> you know they were they were chasing him down they had a couple of good sacks a couple of near sacks um you know a couple of plays where he pulled the rabbit out of a hat and was able to escape i thought i thought the line and the linebackers played really well it just it was just the deep coverage if that's kind of a weird you know separation or bifurcation of of what happened because everything 10 yards and in was perfect and which is what you want to do against 10 yards deep was no bueno 
Uh, and last thing I want to mention before we get to our players of the game, we have to shout out the Toronto Argonauts O-line. They kept Chad Kelly clean yet again. They just yep. did not allow sacks. They they lead the league in fewest sacks allowed. And obviously a performance I mean, like this with no sacks is going to extend and, that. Know, shout out to Chad Kelly. There was definitely a couple of times he was, you know, he was dancing and ducking and diving and, you know, um, a really nice rollout and he took some hits on some throws. So, oh yeah, uh, it, I, I wouldn't say, you know, he was, I would score it a clean, a clean pocket all game, but there were definitely times where Calgary brought a lot of heat and the line held up. It was interesting that they actually spied Kelly a couple times, not so much so like, so a few times they ran a three man rush and judge would spy Kelly, not because they worried about Kelly as like a run threat so much, but just because they didn't want him to escape the pocket because that's where Chad can be really dangerous. Sometimes I thought that was kind of an interesting strategy. We haven't seen Chad get spied like that before. And so that was kind of, it was kind of cool on a three-man rush. Like, it's a good idea. I think it was clever from Calgary. I wonder if we'll see some other teams try that where you drop, you end up dropping eight guys and rush three and have a, a you know, your your will spy or something like that. So just interesting to see that. Does anyone pick up on it? Do we see that next week? Maybe that's, you know, something to keep an eye on for sure. Well, right. I don't know. I mean, they... We scored thirty nine points, so well, I know. Maybe, I know. Maybe but, don't. Maybe don't put that game plan in the Hall of Fame quite yet. But remember, yes, thirty nine points. But in terms of like offensive production, that's actually like below Toronto's <laughs> season average. So Calgary yeah. actually, that's that's a win for the Calgary I agree. defense. It's still three fifty and three touchdowns. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily. It's not like it worked. Worked. I wouldn't. Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't go so far to say that plan worked. <laughs> All right, let's get into players of the game. Where are you going for your player of the game? Uh, yeah, this was a harder one. You know, obviously, like like uh, Chad Kelly had a fantastic game. They don't win the game without him. So, but obviously, you know, it gets a bit boring giving the player of the game to the quarterback all the time. So, <laughs> um, I, I thought uh, Hendricks had a fantastic game on the line. I thought Robbie Smith had a fantastic game on the line. Uh, Flo. Uh, nearly decapitated uh, Mayor and was uh, a problem all day. Um, so despite all those shadows, I'm going to give it to, I guess, where my heart always is in the kicking game, uh, Boris Beatty. I mean, Beatty came in and they needed him to punt and he he was fantastic. He boomed punts all game. Um, he had a, a you know a nice rouge at the end. Uh, they were perfectly directional. In terms of keeping uh, Calgary's punt returner um, pinned, he really there was no chance because those punts were were really really well diagonaled uh, into coverage. He was uh, five for five for extra points. He hit his field goal. I mean, I don't know how much more you can ask from one guy. He he delivered field position points. Um, I thought he was superb. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think he's definitely up there. I love the fact that he was able to pin Calgary deep on those occasions, like you said. And that rouge, the rouge at the end, it, it could go either way. Like you, you do want to pin them. He was trying to pin them. It was a great kick. I but, mean, he almost <laughs> cough and cornered them. Almost. And it ends up going 75 yards as a punt. So I was like, well, you know, that, and that's not the worst scenario to have a rouge to put you up eight, I think is okay. No, so he, he, I thought he was, yeah, I thought he, 
like the impact he had was especially for filling in like to to be that all purpose i know <laughs> the football people who won't agree with that but uh you know i know the impact that he had on that game so i i'm giving him i'm giving him the nod i would like john haggerty's job from today uh to just be the global holder i thought that's that is a great gig to have as just the holder uh but it was important you know we i'm not giving my player of the game to john haggerty but i just want to talk about that for a second he was dressed today he's got a knee injury wasn't able to punt they made the call to dress him because you don't want to change up the holder. I don't think people realize how big a deal that is to just suddenly bring in a guy and say, okay, well now, you know, Brian Scott or Cameron Dukes, whoever it is, you're now the holder. Um, that affects Beatty. And Beatty had a huge day, but I think you can't, you can't dismiss how important it was to have him have the exact same holder that he's always had all year long and John Haggerty, even though Haggerty wasn't healthy enough to actually punt. So just a, I, I think a tidbit worth mentioning, even though it doesn't affect my player of the game, who is also going to be special teams, Javon Leak. I can't ignore the fact that Javon Leak has not only set a Toronto record for punt returns in his punt return touchdowns in a season, he's now one touchdown off the CFL record for punt return touchdowns in a season. He's had four. The previous high he already had. He said it last week. He was already the single season record holder. It gets lost because we think about all the great returners the Argos have had, whether it's Bashir Livingston or or Chad Owens or, or Pinball Clemens or Raheem Ishmael. They've had so many big name guys, but they've achieved these numbers through a combination of kickoff return and punt return touchdowns. Just strictly punt return touchdowns, Leak blows them all away, standing on his own with four for the season. And this one was huge. It came at the perfect moment to really put that game away. So to me, I'm going to uh, give my player of the game to Javon Leak. Uh, in terms of plays of the game, I'll give you my play of the game and uh, I'll give you some time to, to come up with yours. Um, my play of the game, I, I think I'm actually going to go with the flea flicker. I think for me, that was just a, a such a big momentum swinger. And you'd had Calgary that was hanging around and then they got out front. And then for Toronto to come out and run a, a trick play, which they never do, and to have it hit like that. I know is is just I, I'm sure Coach Dinwiddie was was elated on the sideline um, because he doesn't he just not, it's not his it's not his thing you don't typically do trick plays when you're a good team and he's you know he's had good football teams these last few years so for him to hit that I thought was huge that's going to be my play of the game where are you going for play of the game um, well I I, I did want to give another shout out to to you know I thought that the uh, punt return team was just fantastic today you know so in some ways uh you know that they sort of never let calgary get going um but if i if i was gonna pick one play um i thought mechie's pass breakup at the you know at the end of the game at the two minute mark um was huge i mean it was a big play and they were looking to convert and uh i just thought he did uh, you know we've been banging on the secondary but uh that you know that that short yardage secondary they were all over it and uh, Mechie played it perfectly. Yeah, the game was on the line. I think it was third down and five. Bagleton, who had been super hot all night, ran a dig route. It was thrown a little bit behind him, but Mechie got there, got his hand on the ball. 
knocked it away. And that was it. They The Stampeders never saw the ball again because A.J. Olette closed that game out on the ground. But yeah, it's important to it's important to highlight a few good plays that the secondary made. Qantas Stiggers also had a really nice pass breakup. I think maybe the play before yeah, or I mean, two plays before. 10 yards in, it was a perfect game plan. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's there's a little bit more space on the football field. But yeah, 10 yards in, they they had Calgary's number. Well, who knows that guy was going to turn into John Elway? They're like, oh, God, this guy's throwing the ball 65 yards. What the hell? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make of that. It was one yeah. of those, it was one of those things. Uh, Mike Hogan said to you after the game that you know he's, he's used that that line of yours from last year's Grey Cup, where you referred to the game as I think you said that your exact words were that game was drunk, um, and he's he's credited you for the, for that line on a few occasions. Um, I, I felt like uh, this was close to that. It just felt like the strangest football game. And just one, you're you're happy for the home side that they were able to come out on top after all the weirdness that went on throughout those four quarters of whatever that was. Well, that will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. The Argos have a couple extra rest days here as they play again on Monday, Labor Day in Hamilton. And we'll, of course, be there for that one. We'll have our pregame walkthrough coming to you at some point during this week. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Fight the foe, foe.